We're through 60 Minutes and Beyond. This is the Flames Talk Post Game Show, now available on Apple and Spotify. Here's Pat Steinberg. Okay, let's get our post game coverage started following a 7-2 Flames loss in their second last preseason game tonight in Edmonton at Rogers Place. Our Flames Talk Post Game Show is underway. Pat Steinberg along with you, and let's head to Rogers Place in Edmonton to get some immediate post game reaction. We check in with Flames forward Emilio Pedersen following this one. Emilio, uh, just just your thoughts on this game tonight and uh, how you saw it from your perspective. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, overall, I actually thought we played a pretty decent game. I thought, you know, in the first period, we, uh, you know, we took some, obviously, some bad penalties that led to them scoring two goals. But other than that, in the first, I thought we had a really good push on them, five on five, and I thought we had some good looks on our power play. And then uh, in the second, also, I thought we had a really good start. First 10, we had a really good start to the game and uh, to the second, I mean. And uh, we were just, you know, a little bit sloppier with the puck at the end of the second. And then in the third, you know, they their uh, big dogs kind of, uh, took it to us a little bit, um, but I also thought we had some good looks to, you know, put put a couple more in the net. So I thought overall it was a decent game from us. Obviously, with the result, we're not going to be happy, but um, overall, I thought it was decent. You know, you, you took a look at the, the two rosters, and, and your group, Emilio, had a lot of players fighting for spots, looking to make an impression in this preseason game, uh, second last preseason game of the schedule. I'm just curious what the mindset was, curious kind of what the overall approach was from the group going into this one. Yeah, I think obviously you're spot on. Um, you know, we, we show up, we're, we're a hungry group uh, because of obviously, you know, we, we dress a lot of AHLers tonight and, and – uh, we know the reason for that and we need to, you know, show what we got. And I thought some of us had a good game and, and, you know, obviously we want to maybe have a couple mistakes back, but I thought most of us, uh, you know, brought it tonight and, and, uh, you know, it was good to good to kind of get that experience for us and, and we'll definitely soak it all in and hopefully, you know, it leads to something else. Emilio, I know uh, all kinds of, uh, I don't have the final sheet in front of me quite yet, but all kinds of uh, pucks towards the net. You were, uh, you seem to be all around it offensively in this game tonight. When it's all said and done, 12 shot attempts, uh, four shots and some really good looks. How did you feel out there tonight? You know, I felt, I felt pretty good tonight. Um, you know, obviously with the result, you're not going to, you know, there's, there's a bittersweet feeling, but you know, I, I was happy that I was able to get some pucks around my stick and, and uh, you know, kind of get some shots on that. And, uh, yeah, I thought overall I, I was pretty happy with my game. Obviously, a couple situations you want back and you want to learn from, but I'm here to just soak it all in and, and hopefully get a chance to play in the NHL this year. And and that's kind of a final thought. Has, has that soak it all in and, and really try to make the most of the opportunity being around these players and, and another NHL camp for you? Is, is that kind of been the approach the entire camp for you? Yeah, exactly. You know, you you, you know the players uh, that you got to kind of uh, match your game to. And I, I'm a skilled player. I was put in a situation tonight to, you know, do well and and with some really good players. So I thought, you know, it was uh, it was a fun experience for me. And I thought overall I was pretty happy with my game. But obviously with the result, you're not going to be. You know, there's a bittersweet feeling. But you know, uh, overall I was happy. And and uh, obviously when the coaching staff puts you in a situation where you're on the first line and you're on a second unit power play, I I. You know, you really appreciate that, and, and you really want to put your best foot forward. And I thought at times I, uh, you know, did that, and, and other places I, I would want back, like I said. Appreciate the time, Emilio. Thank you so much for doing this tonight. Thank you. Appreciate That's- it. 
Emilio Pedersen postgame in Edmonton as the Flames fall 7-2 to the Edmonton Oilers in this preseason matchup. Uh, that's the seventh of eight preseason games for the Flames in 2023 with one more to go in Vancouver on Friday night. Hey, your Flames Talk postgame show is underway on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, live right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's Pat Steinberg with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. For all things basement visit dlbasementsystems.com. Also with us, Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills following this one. And a, a, a tough one. Like, we, we knew, Mick, that this was going to be a night where the Oilers had the more talented team. But... I, I listening to Emilio there, I, I did think despite the score and you know, maybe in that third period, a little discouraging and maybe a little white flag there, but I thought for a good chunk of this game with a big time lineup disparity, Flames fought pretty hard, uh, but they end up coming away with the uh, it ends up being a lopsided loss. I'm just curious as to what you saw out there with a lot of hungry players trying to make impressions. Yeah, I thought they were off to a, a good start and then just kind of let their foot off the gas a little bit. One thing as well that we haven't talked about is the amount of penalties that they took. They yeah. had 14 minutes in penalties, and that's something that Ryan Huska has talked about, that they they need to be more disciplined. And we just heard Emilio talk about the two penalties that got them into trouble to start with. So I think that that's a really important point as well, is they can't be spending that much time in the penalty box, especially when you know going out into the game that you're playing against a power play like the one that the Edmonton and Oilers have so I think that that's a big one for me is making sure that they're playing with more discipline but yeah I thought it was a good start and then the game just just kind of got away from them yeah and it's a good thing and a bad thing in a sense because it's a good thing because you want to get some work in on your penalty kill and you want to evaluate some guys in the PK and and I think the Flames were probably able to do that tonight you know for example one of the guys we've talked a lot about Mick is Dryden Hunt and he played three minutes and 49 seconds on the penalty kill tonight. So they got a good long look at him. And, boy, the pairing of Nikita Zadorov and Jordan Osterley, uh, they played a ton of minutes. Zadorov finished at 25-25, Osterley at 24-38. And both guys, uh, more so Zadorov than Osterley, were out there for uh, a lot of penalty kill time. So, uh, But on the flip side, you'd rather be more disciplined, but... Uh, I'm not making excuses for the Flames, but when you're up against one of the most talented teams in the league and they've got pretty much their full lineup out there and skill-wise, there isn't much that can be compared between the two teams. When you're playing against a group that's way more skilled, then chances are you're going to take more penalties. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, you'd like to try to avoid them, but uh, I think probably easier said than done for the Flames tonight. Kind of felt a lot like that 10 nothing game the Flames yeah. won over Vancouver to open the preseason. And, and part of that, not a lot of saves out there. It was not Dan Vladar's best night um, in his last start of the preseason. Uh, we're expecting Jacob Markstrom to go the whole way on Friday in Vancouver. And just kind of a lot of things until the back 
part of the second period. That power play the Oilers had in the latter stages of the second period, they got six shots on it, and that kind of got them going. And I thought in the third period, where they outshot the Flames 17-2 to in the third period, Ooh. it kind of felt a little bit more like the Oilers were in globetrotter mode. But otherwise, up until that point, uh, the Flames hung with them. And our marquee matchup brought to you by Country Hills Toyota in the pregame show, we were looking at and, and really focusing on some of those players that might be on the bubble. Mick, whether it was Connor Zary or Dryden Hunt or uh, Cole Schwint or Ilya Solovyov, Gilbert, Osterley, there were a lot of players trying to, you know, up their case or solidify a spot or just kind of take that next step to being on the opening night roster. Any of those players do it in your eyes or any of those players take a step forward? I think three players for me and one of them that I didn't talk about at the start of the game was Emilio Pedersen. I thought he had a really strong game, and I've been really impressed with him all preseason. I thought he had a, a strong game tonight and uh, was impressive. Another guy, we talked about him a ton, Dryden Hunt. He had a, a strong game as well. And another guy for me who it is really hard to come into a game when you've been injured. And so I thought Dennis Gilbert, if you watched his, this game and you had no idea that he was injured, you, you would have never been able to tell. He had a really solid game. He played four minutes on the penalty kill yep. also, so put up some big minutes there and just was really strong, really solid, made simple plays with the puck, uh, moved it really well, and just did his job. That's kind of the game that you expect from me. He had a big hit as well. So for me, those are three guys that really stood out and made a case for themselves. And as we talked about earlier, the Flames lost a lot of toughness during the offseason. You say goodbye to arguably the toughest player in the league and Milan Lucic, but also you know, Brett Ritchie could handle himself, so could Trevor Lewis. And I'm not saying they need a guy who is going to be a Lucic-type enforcer, but they do need, I think, someone who can stand up for themselves and for their teammates. And I think Dennis Gilbert is better equipped to do that than anybody else in this team. And I've got to think that gives him a leg up in yeah. the fight to be either the six or the seven defenseman. So you know, I agree. I thought he looked pretty good in his return. I like Dryden Hunt as well. Played him more than 18 minutes. Led uh, all players on uh, both teams in hits. He had seven. I actually quite liked Yegor Sharangovich tonight. He's not popping as much as I'd like him to offensively, but defensively, uh, I think pretty solid finishes even in this hockey game. His team gives up seven goals. I know a couple were scored on the power play, but you know, even in a, a seven to two loss, and he played almost twenty minutes, nineteen and minutes, thirty-one on the PK. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was expecting him to be more of a, a top six power play guy than a bottom six penalty kill guy, but. Uh, it looks like he can play in that role of nothing else. I didn't mind Connor Zeri in this game. He finishes plus one playing more than 15 minutes, and I think he's one of the guys battling to be on the Flames' fourth line, whether that be at left wing or at center. And then Emilio Pettersson. How about his 10-shot attempts in a game where the Flames only had 20 shots on goal? Uh, I don't expect him to make the team, but uh, pretty good showing for the kid. Yep. I thought he was all over it in uh, this game tonight. I uh, – the 
on the Sharon Govich front, I really liked him on the penalty kill. The his his speed was one of the more noticeable things. I thought he. I, I know that's one of the areas the Flames really like about him is his penalty killing, and uh, we expect come regular season first pairing over the boards to be Lindholm and Backlund again. But I it would not surprise me if Sharon Govich is kind of that next uh, next or part of that next forward pairing over the boards. He was really impressive the way he pressures the blue line and doesn't get himself out of position because he skates so well. Uh, he pressured uh, he pressured uh, McDavid a couple of times. He pressured the point man a couple of times when Bouchard was running it and just uh, did a nice job on the PK. So I thought he was another one that stood. Now, not a bubble player, but thought he uh, definitely stood out in this game tonight. So uh, there, there were some there were some okay performances in this game, and I, I, I think I think you're probably right, Mick. Gilbert did a good job in um, cementing or coming closer to cementing his spot. I wonder if he plays on Friday again because he only has now played a game in a bit, and they know who five of their D-men are going to be. Yeah. So if they rest a Tanev in the, the season finale, preseason finale, wouldn't be a big deal. Or if they rest an Anderson, whoever, even a Zadorov, who you just mentioned how much he played, they're to rest one of those guys in the preseason finale to get Gilbert another game wouldn't surprise me. For me, there's only one guy who's even in the conversation in addition to Jordan Osterley and Dennis Gilbert, and that would be Ilya Solovyov. Mm -hmm. For me, he's a real dark horse to make the team, but I think he has been really impressive so far in training camp in the preseason. You know, Tonight plays almost 17 minutes, uh, did finish minus one, but uh, I really like that play where he, he drew the penalty mm -hmm. when he got all tangled up with uh, Zach Hyman. You know, he was physical, kind of running him into the end boards. Hyman retaliates. Soloviov just backs off and sends his team to the power play. Little things like that matter. So uh, he's the only guy that I would probably even consider to be the 6-7 the, the defenseman. I don't think the Flames are going to carry eight with their salary cap situation. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, Nonetheless, pretty good showing for him again. And you've liked him all preseason, Mick. I have really liked him all preseason. The one thing that jumps out at me, though, that makes me question whether they would take him or not is that he does make some mistakes with the puck. Mm -hmm. He turns it over. And so if you're looking for a guy who is a little bit more steady and won't turn the puck over that you can trust 100%, I'm looking at more of a Jordan Osterley or a Dennis Gilbert in that respect, just in terms of that just really steady, solid, reliable. And I I do think that Solovyov has had a great preseason, but there have been a couple of plays where I'm like, mm, like he just tried to do a little bit too much. Yeah, mm -hmm. and he's 23. Yes. You want him playing. You don't want him sitting in the press box, mm -hmm. right? So I think you're better off to send him down the hallway to the Wranglers and if you run into an injury, then he's probably the first call-up at this point. Let's select tonight's Hardest Working Flame, brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon's hiring. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. As uh, the Flames lose this game, 7-2 in Edmonton. Uh, Mick, who are we going with for our hardest worker tonight? Well, I'm going to go with Dennis Gilbert. I think... Like I mentioned earlier, he just coming in off of an injury and having not played, and I know he wasn't out for a really long time, but he stepped into that game like he hadn't missed a beat mm -hmm. at all. And especially with the pressure that you're facing, I know all of these guys were facing pressure, but especially for him, like time was really of the essence because he hasn't played much at all. So 
I'm going to I'm going to give this one to him. Dennis Gilbert, your hardest working flame brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. So now one more preseason game to go. We expect it to be like 90% of the opening day roster on Friday night in Vancouver. We believe they're going to treat it like a regular season game to fly in on Thursday, uh, stay the night, play the Friday, and then come back. And then we are one week away as we're talking right now from the regular season opener against the Winnipeg Jets on October 11th. Going to hear from head coach Ryan Huska in just a minute, but first some final thoughts from our broadcast duo, Megan and Derek, is uh, we've got one more preseason game to go. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say, moving on, moving on. Final thoughts? Final thoughts. Um, Just I think, and I mentioned it earlier, I think it was a solid start. Uh, Some good efforts from a lot of players. And I think the coaches will get exactly what they need from this game um, in watching it in real time, but also in reviewing the video to be able to make the decisions that they need moving forward. The lineups were so lopsided tonight. It was difficult for me for that reason and for other reasons to really evaluate anything. (laughs) I mean, 14 to 16 NHL regulars for one team, seven or eight for the other team. And I give the Flames credit for, you know, they fell behind two nothing, battled back and tied it before the end of the first. And uh, I think just got overwhelmed in the second and third periods of the game. But, you know, it was fun to watch uh, some of the guys who are battling for jobs on this team. Dryden Hunt, really, for me, is at the top of the list because I didn't love his game the other night, but I thought he bounced back beautifully. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm thinking about uh, the spots they have open on their fourth line. I feel like he has to be the front runner, whether that be to play left wing center or I don't think it'll be right wing because I think that's Walker Dewar's spot. But uh, I think he had a strong game. Another pretty good game from Jordan Osterley. You you talked a lot about uh, Dennis Gilbert, Mick. I liked him and his return to the lineup. But uh, looking forward to Friday because we're expecting that both the Flames and the Canucks will dress something that very closely resembles the the lineups they're going to have for the opening night of the regular season. So I think it's going to be a much uh, better opportunity for everybody, including us, to evaluate where this team is. Mm -hmm. How far have they come on both sides of special teams? How far have they come in figuring out their defensive zone coverage and going from playing man on man last season to playing zone this season. And, you know, coaches and players have talked about it. It's, it's been a difficult transition for some. So I kind of want to see where this team is at as they get set for the regular season opener. We didn't uh, have a chance to do that tonight. We will hopefully on Friday. Have a, a wonderful rest of your Wednesday night, friends. Okay, good night, Pat. Thanks, Pat. Derek Wills, Megan Mickelson signing off on this Wednesday night. 7-2, your final score. Phone lines are open on our Flames Talk post-game show. If you want to chat, give us a call at 403-240-4444. If you want to text, 960-960. We'd love to hear from you. All things training camp, all things uh, camp battles, line combinations, whatever you want to do, uh, you can give us a call at 403-240-4444 or fire us a text at 960-960. 960. Let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska. He spoke post-game in Edmonton following a 7-2 loss to the Oilers. Huska, we just kind of describe, you know, a game like that and maybe the learning experience that kind of comes along with it. Well, if you look at the the first 30 minutes, 5-on-5, I would say we were happy with our game. We did a lot of good things, and you turn a puck over, and then you see what can happen. 
happen against really good teams. So, you know, it, when you talk about learning experience, um, you have to stay with the game for the full 60 minutes, otherwise it gets away from you. Right. And maybe a perfect kind of example is that, you know, early on, obviously, they had those two power plays back-to-back, -back, yeah. but just the way that you kind of stem momentum for the rest of that first period, yeah. too. It was good on our part of, of fighting back there. Like I, We had some good shifts in the offensive zone. We were moving our feet. We forced some turnovers. We didn't give them a ton of room five-on-five. So it was nice to see a little bit of bounce back from the guys in that situation, but um, lesson learned for some of the younger players, the pace when it gets cranked up is high and you have to make the right decision with the puck, otherwise you're you're feeding teams. Can I ask you about some of the guys sure. on the, the Cosper, Dryden Hunt, what did you yeah. see from him tonight? I thought Dryden was competitive again tonight. Um, you know, he's he's... He's working, I find, and I, I find he's, you know, maybe at times a step off, but he's he's very competitive. How about Cole Schwinn? Um, tonight was a tougher night for him, I thought, tonight. You know, this is a night where I was I was really hoping that he would be really good in the face-off circle, stuff like that. Um, you know, but he's he's performed well for us so far in exhibition. Tonight probably wasn't one of his best. Connor Zari? I didn't mind Zari tonight. I thought he was in and around the puck, and we used him... Um, in the middle, we used him on the wall. He got bounced around a little bit. Yeah, you had to switch him over there. Did you lose Sam for a little bit? Uh, after the first period, yeah. so Sam never came back. So we we were bouncing a little bit. Yeah. Any update on Sam? No, he's. I think he's day to day. Yeah. Is that part of um, you know for a guy like Connor and Zary, uh, you know, the ability to, to kind of go back and forth to wing center, you know, also helps that you know. Just being flexible in that way. Yeah, and it's finding, I think when you look at certain players and their skill set, where do they best fit? Like, is Connor a fourth-line center? I, To me, probably not. He's more suited to be in a, in a different role in order to make the NHL on a full-time basis. Um, you may have to do that, so that means changing your game and being a harder guy in certain situations. So um, having the ability to play wing and in the middle gives us a lot of flexibility, and it's nice to see him actually be able to do that. Did you see much from Klapka tonight? I actually, he, he rumbled around like he always does. You know, he gets in the way. He held the puck uh, in the offensive zone a little bit. I, I felt like he kept his game simple, which is something that we wanted him. And how about Gilbert? I thought Dennis, for his first game back um, since his injury, I thought he was steady too. I mean, um, it's a it's a tough team to come back into against when you're killing penalties against that power play at times. And I thought Dennis handled himself well. For out of town or sad. Of your camp, what, what are you seeing? What kind of team are you uh, seeing here? Like, what kind of atmosphere do you guys have at the camp? What kind of atmosphere? Yeah. What kind of team are you seeing coming along here? I'm I'm happy with what I'm seeing. I mean, we're starting to get some some of the foundation in place. Um, the last game that we played against Winnipeg in Calgary, second and third periods are what we want to see out of our team. Thank, okay, you, thank you. Thank you, sir. There you go. That is head coach Ryan Huska post game in Edmonton, where the Flames fall 7 2 in this second last preseason game. They wrap the preseason Friday in Vancouver. Hey, give us a call 403 240 4444. Phone lines are open on this Wednesday night. Text line open at 916 960. Whatever you want to talk about, Flames wise, give us a call right now. We'd love to hear from you as we break down 
almost the entire preseason. We're about uh, 85 or 90% of the way through, so give us a call. Fire us a text, 960-960. That's all coming your way. We'll get to the phone calls and texts in just minutes as our Flames Talk postgame show is underway. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. For all things basement visit dlbasementsystems.com. Steinberg along with you as our Flames Talk postgame show continues next. This is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Have your say now. Text us at 960-960 or call 403-240-4444. The Flames Talk postgame show continues. Coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio on a Wednesday night. Seven of eight preseason games in the books. Final score here, uh, 7-2. Oilers beat the Flames in this preseason battle of Alberta. Lots to get to. If you want to chat, give us a call. The phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. You can call now. You can also text now at 960-960. Got lots of room on the phone lines. If you didn't see the game, you want to talk, that's fine. We can talk about the overall camp and getting ready for the regular season. All things Flames on the table, on the phone lines and the text line. This is your Flames Talk post-game show. And obviously not a ton to... In a lot of ways, not a ton to take from this preseason game. Some individual performances that were uh, interesting and, and maybe some players on the bubble that we can talk about you can take away from this game. But, you know, this was a, this was kind of a preseason scheduled loss because when you took a look at the rosters, it was pretty slanted in favor of the Oilers, and as the game went along, that's the way things went this evening. Before we get to your texts and phone calls, though, time for your save of the game, brought to you by Shane Holmes, and tonight's save of the game came from Dan Vladar, who started and went the whole way, and it all came in period number two. Flames will bring it in over the line. Hunt drops it, and now Dubé shoots it, and that one-timer is fought off by Skinner. Now a battle for it in the far corner. Oilers come up with it and clear it out. Nurse is going to lead the draw charge across the Flames line. Nurse centers it, and Vladar stacks his pads to stop Kane on the doorstep. That ends up being, when it's all said and done, one of the 35 saves made by Dan Vladar tonight, and that is his save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. Uh, truth be told, as, uh, as, as my friend Derek would say, truth be told, yeah, that was not uh, the world's greatest goaltending performance. Um, when you took a look at especially the 5-2 lead, I don't know if the the two third period goals game was kind of getting away on the Flames, and uh, but the the of the five that went in in the first 40 minutes of play, I don't know if you uh, loved uh, a good chunk of them that were let in, like the dry saddle goal um, was was a tough one, the McDavid one. Tough angle, but still McDavid making a skilled play. Um, it just was uh, the the Brown, the first Brown goal. It, it wasn't like they were all egregiously bad goals, but there was a stretch there where I think that he had allowed five goals on 13 shots or something like that. And look, Dan Vladar is going to start the season as the number two. And much like I said about Jacob Markstrom on Monday night, you're never going to convince me that 
a preseason goaltending start is going to be indicative of what happens in the regular season. And if we're going to be if we're going to be balanced and we're going to tell all the truths, yeah, I mean, Vladar had actually been really good prior to this game tonight. So Vladar's preseason up until tonight had been really strong. Tonight, he was not very strong. Again, do I worry about that and what it means for whenever Dan makes his first regular season start? Do I feel any differently about Dan Vladar after this game as I did before this game? No, I don't. You might, and that's fine, and I can even understand it. But for me, I, I don't look at it any differently. I look at Vladar very much the same way I look at Markstrom. If the Flames are going to get back to the playoffs, their goaltending, not just one goaltender, their goaltending needs to take a big step forward and needs to bounce back from what it was last year. And Vladar is a big part of that because Vladar did not have a great year last year. Neither did Jacob Markstrom. They both need to have bounce backs. It's going to be Markstrom starting the final game on, on Friday night in Vancouver. He'll probably go the whole way, and then obviously he'll start a week from tonight against the uh, Winnipeg Jets in the season opener. Okay, before we get to the text line and uh, before we jump in on the phone lines, let's uh, head back to Rogers Place in Edmonton. One player who I really liked tonight was Walker Dewar. I thought uh, Dewar had himself a heck of a night, scored one of the goals in this game, and it was a nice finish from Walker as well. Here's Dewar post-game following tonight's 7-2 loss. With, you know, kind of your impressions of tonight, and um, you know where it kind of got away from you guys tonight. Um, yeah, I thought we thought we were good five on five to start, and then a little bit of penalty trouble on the second, uh, starting with me and didn't take care of the puck and uh, at the blue lines. And uh, they're a good team; they play off transition, play in the back of our net, so this wasn't good enough tonight. Is that one of those games where you know you learn a few things about you know areas, things like that, uh, you know, and obviously power play and how dangerous they can be there? Yeah, I think you learn just the significance of taking care of pucks, right? Everybody knows it's important, and um, they showed it tonight. They, they capitalized on on the mistakes. There's some benefits in terms of you know a lot of a lot of younger guys in the roster here tonight, but just about you know what it takes to maybe find that next level too. Yeah, for sure, it's a good learning experience. They got um, very veteran uh, NHL roster over there and we had a lot, young, a lot of young guys pushing to, to be NHL guys so um, yeah you can learn a lot from a game like tonight just like I said wasn't good enough especially for myself. That said personally as you kind of hit the reset button you got one more preseason game um, you know how do you look ahead now in terms of you know just making sure that you're putting the final pieces together for the regular season. Yeah you want to learn from this game but um, uh, when the next game comes around the next day or so you want to learn from it and then flush it right so uh, you go into that last preseason game uh, putting your best foot forward and uh, getting ready for the regular season. There you go. That's Walker Dewar post-game following his team's 7-2 loss to the Oilers. Thought Dewar had a pretty strong night. Uh, Dewar uh, had, uh, when it was all said and done, three shot attempts, two scoring chances on his stick, three scoring chances on his stick, rather, uh, two of them from the slot and one goal when it was all said and done, two shots on net for Walker Dewar. Thought he was one of the positive standouts for the Flames in this one tonight. Uh, we mentioned a few others. Uh, I thought Sharon Govich was fairly positive. I thought Osterley had himself a good game. Emilio Pedersen was all around it. And I thought from an offensive standpoint, looked good. Gilbert, 
Zeri, um, I thought had strong games as well. So, uh, there, so, and a lot of those players that I mentioned all would be of the bubble variety, which is good news. I did not love Rizichka's game tonight. Thought, uh, especially as the game went along, few of the plays that frustrate you with Adam. I've been a big advocate of Adam's preseason so far. Didn't love his game as much tonight. Took a couple of penalties that he didn't need to take as well. A cross check and then the tripping call in the third period was the, the really frustrating one so I thought Ruzicka had maybe the the game that I thought he was least impressive in so far in this preseason so those are a few of the players that we were watching for in this game tonight and so uh, some good some some not so good and one more preseason game to go let's jump in on the text line phone lines are open give us a call at 403-240-4444 uh, now to the text line we go though for the first time tonight at 960 960 this from Jared in Lethbridge Pat assuming the Flames and Hannafin choose to mutually part ways and a trade is consummated do you think the Flames would be better off in a hockey trade or a player and futures trade would it make sense to go futures and save cap space and ride the young guns if it's a hockey trade do you feel the flames need to address offense or replace him with another defenseman so a few a few questions there so on the hockey trade or kind of the player and futures side of things it all depends on when that deal is made because I think part of that depends on how the Flames are playing. So if they trade him at the trade deadline and they're out of it, well, then I think the player in futures trade makes a ton of sense. If you're trading him in, say, mid-November and the Flames are off to a pretty good start, maybe you're leaning a little more to the hockey trade side of things when you're trying to bring in a player that can help you now. A young player that can help you now, like a younger player in his 20s, kind of in the 24 to 26 range or 23 to 25 range, something in that respect, that that would probably be more of what I would target if they were pretty competitive and having a good start to the season. Um, the other part of that question is that I'm a little bit, again, so much of this rides on Oliver Shillington in a lot of ways. So if they were to make a hockey trade, Right now, if there was a trade that they were making and it was going to be of that hockey trade variety, when we say hockey trade kind of means a, uh, an NHL player for an NHL player or something resembling that, if, if they were to do that right now, I'd probably be looking to bring another young defenseman back because I don't know what's happening with Oliver Shillington. If they were to do that in February and Oliver's been back and he's playing and he looks good, well, then you're not as concerned about your defense depth. So maybe I would be looking at more of a, a younger forward to see if I could get something back like that. So it's just a little hard for me right now to pinpoint exactly the way it should go. I think if it were to be all things being equal, I would probably – look for more of a futures-type trade, get a first-round pick and a prospect would be what I would target for Hannafin. If it were me and just me making the trade, that's probably what I would do. Um, I, I don't know exactly how the Flames would be thinking about it, though, because I think there's a chance that from a Flames standpoint, they would be looking at uh, more of a, a hockey-type trade. This one from Angus. Who of the bubble players do you think are going to be on the opening night roster? My money would be on Zeri or Hunt. Well, I guess it depends on what you qualify as a bubble player. 
I think Hunt will be on the roster as a bubble player. I think Coronado will be on the roster as a bubble player if we count Matt Coronado as a bubble player, but I think he'll be on the roster. I I don't think Rizicka is a bubble player, so I think he will be, but I think that was going to be the case, period. Um, But I think definitely Hunt will be. Um, And then one more forward, and I, I don't know what they're going to do, if it were me, I would go Zeri to start. I would start, you know, if it were kind of, – because you're kind of looking at Zeri or Schwint, I think, is where the battle is right now. I'd go Zeri over Schwint if it were me. I don't know what they're thinking, but if it were me making the choice, both Hunt and Zeri would be on the opening night roster. Uh, Osterley and Gilbert would be the two defensemen that would be quote-unquote bubble guys. I don't think Osterley was ever a bubble guy, but he'd be my six and Gilbert would be my seven. If if Gilbert was a bubble guy, he'd be in there too, I guess, uh, when it comes to the blue line. Fair question, though. Um this says, after that rough preseason game by Vladar, I'm sure there are lots of folks calling for Wolf to take that backup spot. I don't see it that way, as Dustin hasn't looked super impressive in his games either, which I, I think is fair. Dustin's first game was was not strong, and it, it did not work out all that well. His second game in Winnipeg was a little better, um, but yeah, that first game he played against Seattle was not a super positive one, or, or not not his greatest game. I thought he was a little bit better in the road game against Winnipeg, but I just I I don't think there was ever going to be a time this training camp where Dustin Wolf surpassed Dan Vladar to the extent that you'd need him to surpass if he was going to usurp Vladar on the opening night roster. Wolf's path to the opening night roster is a trade between now and the end of the season. That's how he'll get in as, as Markstrom's backup. I think the Flames will continue to look for a trade, but much like they slow played Backlund and they're out they are slow playing Lindholm Hannafin and others and they're doing the same when it comes to their goaltending situation which I also think is the right play I thought Frank Saravalli put it perfectly when he joined us on Tuesday's Flames Talk when you have the luxury of time, you might as well use that luxury and they have the luxury of time and what I mean by that is Dustin Wolf is waiver exempt, so he can go between Calgary and Calgary. He can go between the Flames and the Wranglers without having to clear waivers. That allows you to shuttle him into some spot NHL starts when you can find the uh, the right spot in the schedule. You also have a guy that you trust in Dan Vladar and a guy who I think should be a decent trade asset. So why not wait to cash in that decent trade asset if you can? And then you can open up the spot for Dustin Wolf. Still have him playing in the American League. Wolf's mindset and approach is so good that you're not going to be worrying about him getting bitter or sour or anything like that. So if you, you still have the luxury of time if you're the Calgary Flames. I think if you're the Flames, you might as well use that luxury while you have it right now. Um... This says from Tucker, overall throughout the entire camp, what are your thoughts on Hanzek? Well, as we heard from Ryan Huska, Hanzek left this game in the first period, did not return, so he's day-to-day. Unfortunate, because that was going to be his last preseason game. I don't think that, uh, I don't think we're going to see, I don't think we were going to see Hanzek play in the game Friday because, and and this is how I'd answer your question, Tucker, he's just not ready. Um, What I've seen from Sam Hanzek, even going back to Penticton, 
is that he's an 18-year-old with a lot of skill and great upside as a first-round pick who's not ready to play in the NHL right now. And that's fine because I was the guy saying, well, why not? Why He's a 16th overall pick in a deep draft. Why couldn't he push for a spot? Well, and maybe that that's fair, but he didn't. He's 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 not ready. So yeah, heading back to the Western Hockey League and rejoining his uh, drafted teammate Jaden Lipinski with the Giants is is what's going to happen next, and that's fine. He's still a top prospect in the organization, and his first camp wasn't one that suggested he was ready to play in the NHL. So we'll see what happens a year from now because. What you see in a season like this for a person of that age, 18, 19 years old, they take huge steps physically, and so he could come back to camp next year after probably dominating the Western Hockey League in Vancouver, comes back next year, and he's probably a whole lot more of an impact maker and looks a whole lot more ready for the NHL next camp than he does this camp. But yeah. Hanzek has looked like a player who's just not quite ready for the NHL at this point. Uh, this from Jackson in Lethbridge. Considering what you've seen so far, who would you pencil in for that number six role on defense? If Shillington is back, would you put him uh, in no questions asked? Yeah, I mean, if Shillington was able to participate in this camp, he'd be in the top six. Your top six would be set, no questions asked, barring injury. It would be in, in whatever order, Anderson, Tanev, Hannafin, uh, Uyghur, Zadorov, and Shillington, and whatever order they it would end up going, or however you'd pair them up. But Shillington is is not available for him right now. We don't know when or if he will be available. I thought Osterley would have been the seven in that conversation. Uh, well, he's the six now, and I, I've liked Osterley for the most part for what his role is. He is a third-pairing mobile defenseman. He's a good skating third-pair guy. He is not a shutdown guy. There are sometimes questionable decisions made with his puck management and his defensive reads. That's why third pairing is where he probably belongs uh, in the NHL. And that's fine. This is a team that needs some mobility. So to have some mobility on your third pairing is a good thing. Like same thing with Troy Stetcher. Troy Stetcher is a third pairing defenseman in the NHL. He's mobile. He can sometimes get pushed off of pucks because of his size but he also and and sometimes will make some questionable defensive reads but also skates really well is effective when he jumps up into the rush when he picks his spots and is well suited as a mobile third pairing defenseman that's how I see Osterley so I think Osterley's your six and Gilbert's your seven and I also think that could be uh, interchangeable depending on matchups I think Gilbert as a seven will get lots of time and we'll see some times when Gilbert's in and Osterley's in and then obviously injuries play into it too and bumps and bruises, so on and so forth. But yeah, Jackson, I'd say Osterley, you're six and Gilbert, you're seven to start the season. Uh, on that same front, why am I not seeing what y'all are seeing in Osterley, hoping we can see Shillington back soon? I don't know um, when Shillington's going to be back, so we wait. On the front of not seeing it with Osterley, I liked him on the power play in the time he saw it tonight. I like his mobility, and I like that he has been able to use that mobility more positively than negatively so far in the preseason. Again, if you're judging on what he is, and if you're basing it on what he is bringing to the table, 
he's a third pairing defenseman. And so as a third pair D, I think he's done his job as a third pair D. I think he's been fine in that regard. Uh, this says, what's the identity of this team? Not an offensive team, not a tight checking team, not a fast team, not a mean team. It's a fair question. I don't know the answer yet. I do not know what the identity of this team is. That's part of what goes along with a new GM putting his stamp on this team slowly and a new head coach putting his stamp on this team. So to answer that question, what is the identity of this team? I don't know. Um, I think ideally they'd like to be a fast-moving Fat, like a, a, a maybe not speedy team, but a fast-moving team. Puck movement and just a lot of quick passes with pucks not staying on sticks for that long. I think that's one of the things they'd like this identity to be. Um, and and thus, a team that is... I, here, here's the word I would use. I think what they'd like to be, and it's, a, it's an NHL buzzword now, I think they'd like to be an up-tempo team with quick up passes out of their own zone, quick off the stick of defenseman passes uh, when it comes to those up passes from their own zone, not spend a lot of time in their own zone, and whenever they've got a chance to start moving it the other way, they want everybody's noise noses pointed at north. So that's how I would describe it. Up-tempo, north-pointing, and, and kind of, I don't want to say fly the zone, but I think they want to jump the zone sometimes, and I think that goes into an up-tempo approach, and and that then a little bit more creativity in the offensive zone. But if I were to use one NHL buzzword to describe what they'd like the identity to be, it's up-tempo. Are they that? No. Uh, are they that now? No, I don't think they are because. A, we haven't seen them in a meaningful game yet. B, they've played seven preseason games, so I think that's what they would like to be, and I think that they would like to be there this regular season as an up-tempo team. I'm not sure that we'll know the identity of this group for even a little while come the regular season. And that really is a fair question. What is the identity of this team? That's the best way I'd describe it, though, is, is kind of an up-tempo group. Uh, this from Dan and Cochran, quoting Dumb and Dumber. You want to hear the most annoying sound in the world plays Oilers' goal song. Yep, Dan and Cochran, I would agree with you on that one. I, uh, I could uh, never hear that Oilers' goal song again. <laughs> Whether it be because they scored seven in this game tonight or just period. Um, this says, Pat, can we address how poor the goaltending was tonight? I know the team didn't give him any help, but that was a less than favorable performance. And I thought Markstrom was soft last game too. How concerned are we with goaltending heading into this season? Well, I would have told you the same thing as I told you after Dan Vladar's two positive starts prior where he was really good. That I'm not putting a lot of stock into that either. It's the preseason and... Both these goaltenders are guys with lots of NHL experience and they're trying to get themselves ramped up and ready for the start of the regular season. And so was I feeling like, oh, well, definitely Markstrom's going to bounce back and Vladar's going to bounce back after their positive starts of the preseason? Nope, jury's still out. Am I feeling like Vladar and Markstrom are going to struggle because they haven't been as dialed in their last two starts, Markstrom on Monday and Vladar on Wednesday? Nope. 
Same thing. Jury's out on the goaltending, and really nothing that I'm going to see or have seen in the preseason is going to change that all that much. So that's how I would answer that. It's a fair question, but that's how I'd answer that one. Great stuff on the text line at 960-960. More time for your text as we continue along on our Flames Talk postgame show. It's Pat Steinberg on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Live after every game right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, the phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Call now if you want to chat some Flames hockey on this Wednesday night. It's the seventh of eight preseason games. I get it. Might be a little thin on the phone lines, so you won't get a busy signal. If you want to call in, uh, we'd love to have you. If not, that's fine, too. Let's say hello to Anand on our uh, Flames Talk post-game phone lines. What's going on, sir? How are we doing? How are we doing? Good evening, Patty. I'm good. How are you? I'm good, buddy. Yeah, maybe a couple of questions, but I'll keep it general because I didn't watch much of the game tonight. I was at a Toastmasters meeting. So my first question would be, uh, so the uh, question with uh, Dustin Wolf. So let's say, uh, like you have been saying, like Dan Ladder wasn't that great tonight. Maybe Jacob Markstrom was soft again. Do you think maybe the Flames management team maybe can try giving Dustin Wolf a chance, seeing how he performs at the next game, or can we see him maybe in the NHL, or should Dustin Wolf maybe go back to uh, AHL so that he can get some game going so that he doesn't lose a touch of goaltending? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Dustin Wolf is sent to Stockton sometime. That's not Stockton, geez. Uh, sent to the Wranglers uh, sometime in the, the next day or two. Um, I, I think that they have their goaltending tandem to start the regular season, and I stress start. Uh, so I think Dustin has played his last preseason game. I think they'll go Markstrom to start the game on Friday because most importantly, Anand, as, as much as the preseason's about – camp battles and all that type of stuff now that we're near the end of the preseason the 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 biggest thing that it's there for now is getting the veterans ready to start the regular season and Jacob Markstrom is one of the most important veterans they need to start the season so Jacob will start on Friday he'll probably play the full 60 and the Flames don't play again till Wednesday for the regular season opener so I think Wolf's played his last preseason game um, and I think he'll get sent to the American League he'll start the year with the Wranglers and and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I agree with you. And maybe one last question. So from the uh, so we send like a predominantly HL players this evening. So like um, mainly like Zari Hunt and all that. Do you think how many of them like approximately do you think will make it to the uh, Flames NHL roster, and how many do you think will get back sent to like Wranglers or something? Um, well, I think a lot of the um, – so I think from tonight's games, I mean, obviously there were a few NHL regular regulars in this game tonight. So I, I think that, um, you know, you take a look at the roster tonight. Dubé uh, will start the season with the Flames. Zadorov will start the season with the Flames. Sharon Govich will start the season on the team. Ruzicka will. Um Osterly will, probably Gilbert will, and then obviously Vladar will. Otherwise, uh, a good chunk of those guys. So just if I were to go off the top of my head, my guess would be uh, Simone might go on waivers tomorrow um, to get sent to the American League. Poirier would go down. Solovyov would probably go down. Uh, we'll probably see Hanzek sent back to the Western League. Uh, and my guess would be Klapka, Siona, 
Pospisil, Pedersen all get sent to the American League here this week, and that leaves guys like Schwint and Zeri uh, in this conversation as making the NHL roster Dryden Hunt as well. That would just be my best guess off the top of my head. Yes, I'm sorry. I think I can agree with you. All right, but thank you so much for the chat again and answering my questions. Talk to you soon and have a good night. Good to hear from you as always, buddy. Appreciate it. Always good to hear from Anand. You have a chance to chat on our Flames Talk phone lines. If you'd like to, give us a call now at 403-240-4444. We're pretty thin on this Wednesday night following preseason game number seven of eight. So if you got Flames questions, you can get them in. If you got Flames topics you want to talk about, uh, you got questions on or just want to have a discussion about, give us a call. If not, that's perfectly fine as well. Uh, we got lots of text to get to, some more post-game audio to get to, more analysis to get to as well. But give us a call if you'd like to, 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Uh, your text line is at 960-960. More from you, more inside the Flames locker room as we continue. But right now, it's time to select our player with heart. It's brought to you, as always, by HeartFit Clinic. A few different ways I was thinking about going for our player with heart. Uh, I'm going to go with Emilio Pedersen, though, when it's all said and done. Um, Megan went with Dennis Gilbert on the hardest working flame. I thought that was a really strong strong choice on that one. I thought I thought Pedersen had himself a really strong night when it comes to especially his work in the offensive zone. He got put uh, in an opportunity to have some success. He was put on a line with Sharon Govich and Ruzicka, at least to start this game. Think Things got juggled up when Hontek left, but uh, Pedersen finished with 62.1% on-ice possession. He was out there for 18-11, to 11, uh, five-on-five shot attempts against in favor of the Flames. When he was out there, Flames had an 8-4 edge in scoring chances, 3-3 at high danger, and then individually uh, is where I thought he shone even more. So Pedersen led the team with... 12 shot attempts. He had six individual scoring chances, four shots on net, and three of his scoring chances came from the slot. So a really strong performance from Emilio Pedersen as uh, thought he was one of their more offensively impactful and noticeable players in this game. So Emilio Pedersen, who will likely go back to the American League, and he even admitted that off the top of the postgame show, that he has a, he knows that he's probably going to start the year in the American League, but would like to make the type of impression that maybe he can get NHL games in at some point this season. We're going to go with him as our player with heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic for HeartFit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office. Visit HeartFit.ca. Okay, last call for phone calls at 403-240-4444. Text line remains open at 960-960 as well. This is your Flames Talk postgame show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, live after every game right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan, we're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation for all things basement-y visit dlbasementsystems.com. Let's head back inside the Flames locker room for the final time. Uh, Connor Zeri picks up an assist in this game, maybe his last preseason game of this year. Will it be his last game with the Flames this year? Will he start the year, uh, start the regular season with the Flames? We'll see. Uh, short and sweet, but a little check-in with Connor Zeri post-game following Calgary's 7-2 loss in Edmonton. 
any time, let alone more than a few penalties against guys like that, that that can move the puck around on the power play like that. So overall, I thought for the first half of the game, we, we were good, but then we kind of let up a, a little bit in, in the second half. And when you got guys like that on the other side, they're going to take advantage of it. Is this like the perfect way to get a test though against the, you know, two of the greatest players in the, in the world? Yeah, 100%. I think if you can keep your pace up and, and know that you can play your game and they, they got a full roster going and, and if, you, if you know you can play at that level against that lineup, it's, it's kind of a good uh, benchmark for you. There you go. That is uh, Connor Zeri post-game in Edmonton. 7-2 final. Flames lose to the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, we'll see if Zeri makes the squad or not. Uh, is Zeri one of those? If it were me, Zeri and Hunt are on uh, to start the year. Obviously, Rooney and Pe- uh, Pelche's injury situations aiding that, but they would be on. Uh, one of them would be the 13 and one of them would be the 12 would be the way that I would look at it. Um, and then Osterley and Gilbert are on when it comes to the back end. That's how that's how I would look at the kind of the the filling out the roster spots as it stands right now. Uh, last call for phone calls, 403-240-4444. Let's say hello to our buddy Travis on our Flames Talk post-game show uh, following this loss in Edmonton. What's up, Trav? Hey, Patty. What's up? Um, is that the game tonight? I wish the Flames would have won, but obviously those – those, you uh, saw the roster. You knew what was going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Now you could have probably put a, you could have probably bet your house that they were going to lose tonight. <laughs> but um, I guess um, on the Flames front, Patty, anything on the Lindholm? Anything you're hearing on Lindholm? Or is it kind of they're still working away? And and do you think something actually gets done here sooner than later? Or do you think that's something we're going to go into the season with? I think that there is a chance that they'll go into the season with it. Um, I still think, like, I, I still believe last that uh, I've checked in, like, there, there's still, like, they, they neither side has given up on it. I think that there will uh, be at least one more kind of, like, uh, uh, intense push on both sides to see if something can get done before the start of the regular season. You know, it's my belief the Flames have had a – uh, an eight-year, seventy-two million dollar-ish contract on the table for the longest time. Like I, I think that that offer has been on the table for quite some times. Uh, eight years at nine million dollars per. Um, and and I still think that's a, the framework of a deal that could get done. Now I think there's other things that go into it. I think there's bonus structure. I think that there's uh, maybe some negotiating the Lindholm camp would like to do at some point. Uh, but I, I do think that there's a, a deal on the table that, or, or a framework on the table that they'll uh, take a run at working at again. So I still think there's a chance it gets done before the start of the regular season. But you know, I, I wouldn't say that's a, uh, I wouldn't say that's a given by any means. So if you have to give Lindholm 9.5, is that something you're going to do right now? Because if nine's on the table and that hasn't got got it done. Seems like they're obviously going to have to step up a bit from there. So, I, well, I I, but again, I don't know. I don't know if it's just a straight AAV thing, Trav. I, I like there's bonus structure. There's um, no move and no trade clauses. There's there's a lot more that goes. Like I don't. I don't know if they will have to go a whole lot more than nine on the AAV. In fact, you know, maybe. But I don't think. I don't think that the nine million dollars is necessarily the only thing. Um, and and 
you know, if it's eight and a half, eight, seven, five, nine, whatever it is, I, I don't know if that's the only thing that's holding holding um, this up or, or the only thing they, they might negotiate on here. Yeah, no, fair enough. I think it'd be nice to see him locked up because I think once again, who, who knows what's going to happen this season. It's, it's There's a lot of hope for sure. But I think if you're coming back long-term with Lindholm Backlund and um, – and Kadri at the middle, I think you always say, like, that that's how you win. Defense, goaltending, and centers, right? So, I think it gives us a good chance to, to, to maybe do something. But I think on that front as well, I think goaltending is going to be a huge part of this season. Um, if we get goaltending like last year, we're probably going to have a lot of the same results. If we get goaltending from the year before, I think we'll be a lot happier and probably get a lot more wins. So, I think... That's a very big thing going into the season this year, Pat. Well, there's that might be the number one thing that needs to bounce back ahead of Huberdo, ahead of some other names. Like that might be the number one thing that will determine Calgary's playoff fate is whether or not they get better goaltending or not. And then you know, I think someone texted him just about Hannafin if. If you're losing Shillington or, or there's no Shillington, and, and to me, obviously, we don't know, and I, I hope the best for him. But I think as a fan, you ha- you have to be pretty aware that he didn't play last year and, and he's not out there to start this year. So I think our future plans are possibly without Shillington. If you're moving Hanif, and you definitely need to bring back someone who, who can skate and play. Well, it all, it all depends, at least for me. It all depends on what the team is when a potential Hannafin trade gets done. Like I, uh, if, if they're, if they're out of it and they're making a deal in January or February, then I, I think that you can just make a trade, whether it's a forward or a defenseman that comes back. If you're making a trade tomorrow or you're making a trade in November, well, then maybe it's a little bit of a different story. Fair, fair. Um, <clears throat> I thought Rizicka was all right tonight. I think, I think he he makes some plays. I know he took a couple of bad penalties and maybe wasn't perfect, but I do. You know, he kind of popped off last year too for a while there, and then obviously went cold. And we always, I know everyone talks about maybe his consistency, but he's a big body with skill that can skate and play. So, so I think, you know, maybe with a little more leash and and, and um a little more confidence in him. I, I think he could be a good player for us. No? I do too. I, I I like a lot of what he brings to the table, but he needs to uh, he needs to do like he needs to work on his consistency. He needs to work on his uh, overall um, just how he needs to he needs to make it so that he is dialed on every shift and in every game. There can't be these nights when lazy lazy plays are made where pucks are being thrown away and lazy penalties are taken and I saw just a little bit more of that for the first time this preseason I, I saw that from Ruzichka tonight and and that stuff has to that has to be few and far between those instances if he's going to be a guy that stays in a lineup and if he's going to be the guy that you're talking about yeah no doubt about it and Two last things. I'll make them quick. Um, something that's super important too. We talk about the the goaltending, but I think the power play as well, right? Because the power play, no matter if you're out of the game, not playing well, if it's a close game and it's a one goal game, and your power play can click for you and be more effective. Um, you know, 
the Oilers obviously have some big guns, but their power play is deadly, and that's why they're always in the game. The Flames could get that big goal on the power play um, more often than not than they did last year. I think that's super important for them. No doubt. That's a big reason why they went and recruited Mark Savard, because they know that they need to be a better team on the power play this year. They know that that area of their game needs to take a step forward. I'm I'm curious to see how that goes with Savard running this power play. I think there's a lot of um there's a lot of hope and a lot of optimism about it and it might take a little while because there's new things being taught and new things being worked on. And uh, But I, I do think that the power play has the chance of being better, and if it is better, then... That's a, that that is absolutely going to help them because yeah it was a big time it wasn't the main detriment to them last year but it was definitely a detriment to them at times last year. And I know I live in Edmonton, but uh, the arena I think is big news. I hear maybe there's an announcement coming tomorrow. Yeah, so well, not in terms of what the announcement is. I know there's a uh, there's a municipal I believe in camera meeting on Thursday morning and then early afternoon the province is going to make some sort of uh, some sort of announcement few people have told me uh, that it, it is good news so it's not like uh, the province is set to pull funding or anything like that so it sounds like Thursday afternoon at the very least will be a step forward small large I don't know but a step forward in terms of getting shovels in the ground and getting the new event center in this city built and you know maybe ready for the what are we the 23-24 season so if we could be talking about the 27-28 season that sounds like it could be pretty positive so we'll see I, th- I think it's a big I think that's a big deal like uh, oh I do too know, I, I think, think it's I think it attracts players it, it just in general for the city you know the downtown arena here in Edmonton's done wonders for our city here in Edmonton, and I think it can do wonder for the Flames and Calgary as well. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's big news. Hopefully, they can get shovels on the ground, get arena in four years, and you know that that will obviously have an effect on players staying too. I, if you if you if you get the arena built and it's one of the anchors on a brand new LRT line that is being built right now as well, and you have the green line and a new event center both operational in the fall of 2027, it's going to I, – I firmly believe it will transform the city. And it's funny because, you know, here's uh, – because cause you have the political debate about should tax dollars be going to a new event center? Should ta- – you know, you got one it, – it's funny because, you know, the, there's there's certain uh, political sides of the political spectrum who believe that money should or shouldn't be going to an arena, and it kind of is swapped in a lot of ways as to whether it should or shouldn't be going to the green line. I'm of the opinion – like that's both are going to make the city better. The the green line going up to 16th and all the way down south, and you've got one cutting down the middle of the city north south. It's going to transform our city. And you know what else is going to transform our city? I believe a new event center anchoring a new downtown district is going to transform our city. And so I'm I'm a taxpayer. I'm take take my tax dollars and put towards both those things. So I think it'll be huge. I, I, I think both will be huge. I, I, I agree, Pat, because, you know, just the the people it brings and the people from out of town, the revenue it generates for business, and let alone, let's let's not kid ourselves, but 
the the players are taxed pretty heavily every single year. So they make a lot of jack and, and they're not taxed lightly. So they pay a lot of tax dollars too. So in general, I think it makes a lot of sense for any city, especially a crazed hockey market like yeah. Alberta. So, yeah. But yeah. Um, and then Pat, I just want to say, um, Crystal, obviously, and my, my condolences to his family and uh, what they're going through. And it's, it's pretty sad to see such a great uh, person of the Flames organization at such a young age um, um, lose his battle with a pretty serious illness. And it's, uh, it's always sad to see and keeps life really in perspective for for the normal person. Um, your life can change in an instant. So for sure. I feel bad for that family a lot. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. No doubt. Good stuff, Trav. Talk soon. Appreciate yeah. it, pal, and yeah, thoughts and prayers. I mean, as as it kind of, as it always does, you know, when a tragedy happens in, in sports um, and a tragedy happens with, uh, with somebody in sports, your favorite team, like here with Chris Snow, he, the the conversations and the the sport and the season goes on but and kind of the public narrative moves on it's just the way that things go but that family is not going to move on the same way the narrative moves on because that family Kelsey and the two kids in, in Cohen and Willa and all of the other family and close friends and staff members that have been touched by Chris, that's not going to move on the same way that we're going to be talking about camp battles or line combinations or so I think that's it's it's if if we can and uh, this is this is me talking to myself as much if not more than it is talking to you listening if we can if i can got to remind myself and ourselves that you know the the family's still going to be grieving and hurting and and reeling from an awful loss and uh yeah i, I think that this season, a lot of it will be dedicated to Chris and the Snows, and as it should be. So, well said, Trev. Well, very, very well said. Couple more texts before we wrap things up on our Flames Talk post game show on this Wednesday night. Will in BC writes, "Hope you had a nice birthday, Pat. Preseason is what it is, but for me, this loss was expected given the rosters. But a win was expected in the last game against Edmonton given the rosters. The regular season's around the corner now, and the Flames need more than Vladar's 8.41 save percentage tonight." One once the real games begin, I'll be watching that position in the coming weeks. And as, as we talked about on Monday, well, for me, it's jury's out. Whether Vladar had nothing but shutouts or had nothing but eight goal against Knights or whether uh, Markstrom was unbeatable or porous in the preseason, for me, it's still jury's out. The jury's out from, from on this goaltending, and we won't be able to start getting a verdict until the games start mattering for real. I will say that Markstrom, Vladar specifically, nothing I see is going to really impact how I feel about them. I think that they are more likely than not, both goaltenders, to 
be better this year than they were last year, but nothing I was going to see good or bad in the preseason was going to change that. And until we start to see it for real, you're not going to be able to, to truly make a definitive judgment as to how well goaltending is playing. Uh, this reads, the fourth line center position's problematic. Zary and Schwint aren't ready and shouldn't be sitting most of the night next to Walker and Hunt, but neither should Ruzicka. I think Rooney would have had it by default if he wasn't injured. How's the waiver wire looking? Might need to bring someone in to stabilize that fourth line. Maybe the problem is they're cap-strapped and might be easier to keep a guy uh you know and obviously if you can find someone the someone in the nhl minimum range on on the waiver wire yeah i, I guess you could think about it but i think one of zary or schwint or hunt will probably start down the middle on that fourth line and then go from there i'm curious to see which way they go uh, i'm curious to see where ruzicka starts in the lineup as well I don't think it's the most ideal for Ruzicka to be your number four center, but it might be the way that goes as well. Be interesting to see what those line combinations look like Friday when the Flames take on the Canucks in the preseason finale. That's also going to be interesting to watch. Great stuff on the text line. Great stuff on the phone lines. Yeah, we might have been thin on the phone lines tonight, but still great stuff. Appreciate the calls. Uh, we got one more preseason game to go, and the regular season starts next Wednesday at home to Winnipeg. As we start to wrap up our Flames Talk postgame show, it's Pat Steinberg along with you. It's time for the final summary. Here's how this one went tonight. Pretty even first period. In fact, a pretty strong first period for Calgary. Uh, and we were tied 2-2 after 20. Oilers opened up a 2-0 lead on a Connor McDavid goal at 5:55. Power play goal from McDavid, third of the preseason from Leon Dreisaitl and Evan Bouchard. And less than two minutes later, Connor Brown would score his first of the preseason. McDavid and Darnell Nurse on the assists at 7:36. Flames get those two back, though, before the intermission. Nikita Zadorov cuts the lead in half at 15:45, Zadorov's first from Dan Vladar made it 2-1 and then Walker Dewar scores just over two minutes later to tie this game. Dewar's second of the preseason from Martin Pospisil and Connor Zary at 17:56, 2-2 tie after 20 minutes of play. Second period saw the Oilers retake their lead, and they didn't look back this time. The eventual game-winning goal on a breakaway. Just a little bit of a bad turnover. Turns uh, turns Lane Peterson loose on a breakaway. He beats Vladar for his first of the preseason. Peterson from Evander Kane and Brown at 2:01. Oilers go back out in front by two, just past the midway mark on Leon Drysidle's first of the preseason. Drysidle from Bouchard and Nurse at 10:02. Two, and then at 13:40, a three-goal lead for the first time on Connor Brown's second of the night. Brown from McDavid at 13:40. Oilers led 5-2 after 40 minutes of play. They had two more in the third as Evander Kane scores to make it 6-2. Kane's first of the preseason from McDavid at 11:04. And then Raphael Lavoie scores a power play goal with just over five minutes to go. Lavoie's second of the preseason from Dylan Holloway and Peterson at 14:53. That power play goal made it 7-2, and that would end up being your final score. Final shots, 42-20 in favor of the Oilers. Calgary finishes 0 for 2 on the power play tonight. Oilers go 2 for 6 with the man advantage. Three stars. All Oilers, as you'd expect, number three, Raphael Lavoie, number two, Connor McDavid, and your number one star tonight was Connor Brown. 
with the loss. Flames fall to 4-2-1 and one on their preseason schedule, and their preseason concludes Friday on the road in Vancouver. As for the Oilers, they improved to 4-2-1. and one. Their preseason also concludes on Friday when they're at home to the Seattle Kraken. That's your final summary. And now for everyone involved in Flames hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, for our outstanding producer, Azam Nanji, and special tip of the hat to uh, Ryan Dietrich of Calgary Flames com uh, Dietrich from the Flames Digital team was immeasurably important for us uh, to get this game on the air tonight. So just want to give a special shout out to Ryan Dietrich because uh, you saved our bacon once again, brother. So thank you, pal. Much much appreciated. That'll start to wrap us up uh, from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. For all things basement visit dlbasementsystems.com. Okay, next up for Calgary, as I mentioned, is Friday night in Vancouver. The preseason finale goes at 8 o'clock from Rogers Arena, which means we'll be on the air with your Flames warm-up pregame show at 7 o'clock. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your Wednesday. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your week. Final score from Edmonton. Flames fall 7-2 in this preseason Battle of Alberta. This has been your Flames Talk postgame show. Available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is CFAC 960 AM, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. A Rogers Sports and Media Radio Station. Flames Radio is only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Thanks for listening. Sportsnet.ca slash 960 has games and times for the next Flames Radio broadcast. This is a copyright broadcast. No retransmission, streaming, recording, or copying of the broadcast in any way is allowed without the permission of the Calgary Flames Hockey Club and Sportsnet. 960. Calgary's home for the Flames and the National Hockey League is Sportsnet 960 The Fan.